Um, we'll be in, in Proverbs. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll have it up on the screen. There's scriptures, there's Bibles everywhere if you need one. Uh, I want to remind you um, as we go through our summer that we really want to pour into everyone spiritually. We want to encourage your spiritual walk, your, your time with God. A lot of times, maybe summertime, we, we tend to take off maybe from everything. Like we, need to just, we just tend to check out a little bit. And we want to encourage you to plug on, man, to push on, to grow spiritually. Um, so we just have several things put together. There's some slips out on the um, welcome table in the foyer that kind of tell you those things. One of the things we'll be doing is on July the 10th, that night, it's a Wednesday night, we'll have a prayer time, uh, our first Wednesday prayer. I know it's not first Wednesday, July 3rd is, in, is the week before, so we didn't want to compete with that. Um, so July 10th, and we'll be in here, it'll be a time of kind of come and go worship. Um, quite frankly, what I would say is, is that Jimmy asks, and we ask you on a Sunday morning many times, do you have a prayer request or some way that the Lord can just step into your life and, and do something miraculous, and there's tons and tons of hands that go up. Um, I don't think that changes for you on a Wednesday. Um, I think you could come here on a Wednesday and pray a, a similar prayer, or pray with someone, uh, maybe someone in your life group, or you want to organize your life group to come and have a time of prayer with us um, and worship with us, and then maybe go out together. Um, but just want to encourage you to, to grow um, and uh, to for all of us as a church to grow into our prayer lives more. Um, so we'll be doing that on, on uh, July uh, the 10th. I want to remind you also that Every week, um, every Sunday we're here back in this back corner to my right. There's usually somebody to pray with you. We have a prayer board over here. If you want to grab a prayer request and pray for it or leave a prayer request, um, please take advantage of that, all right? All right, so we're going to be in uh, Proverbs, continue our walk through the book of Proverbs about wisdom and growing in wisdom. Um, why are we studying the book of Proverbs? Because we're fools, and I hope we kind of got, got over that on week one. If, if I just offended you with saying that we're all foolish, you need to go back and listen to week one again. Um, that's kind of Scripture's editorial comment about us, um, is that we tend to be foolish people. Um, we tend to naturally gravitate towards things that are not wise, um, towards things that are foolish. So I'll just give you a couple of the ones that my foolish mistakes over the years kind of illustrate that for you. Um, I paid money to go see Green Lantern at the theater. <laughs> awful, awful, awful. At midnight, I went to a midnight showing of the Green Lantern. Mindy and I, we uh, had a garage sale. This is way back. Had a garage sale. We had two couches, our very first set of couches that we owned, and we were going to sell them in a garage sale for nothing because you don't ever get money in a garage sale. So I'm young, and we're selling this, and somebody probably offered us $75 for something that was marked $80, and I was like, no, we're not going to take it. And so we stored them in a, some, a friend's garage, and our cat got in and sprayed them. So we got zero for two couches that weren't worth 75 bucks, but that's me. We, had, we used to have a television. My mom and dad gave us our first TV, and it was a console television. You remember those? They're big. Gosh, man, we, now our TVs are like that. And man, this thing was, a, it was huge, right? Yeah, like stained walnut cabinet it was monstrous and it weighed a ton it would come on by itself every day at two o'clock in the morning to this day we have no idea how and it would not be tuned to a channel because we didn't have cable we weren't we didn't have enough money to have cable or anything and so it would just come on snow <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning it's like poltergeist man you know in your bedroom at two we just started to unplug the thing you know I figured out there was a board that was loose inside, and if you tied a string to it and pulled it tight and wrapped it around the back, <laughs> you could make it not come on and tune into every Mexican cha channel that was on TV. <laughs> so that's how we got, because I was too cheap to buy anything else. We probably lost a lot of sleep because we were, I was foolish to not just get rid of it. Um, 
There was one time in high school, I'm sure this was to impress a girl, um, my, my church, big, big church my, that I grew up in, it, we were right next to my high school, literally, like we, sh- we parked in the parking lot of high school to go to my, my church, and there was one of our uh, friends and, and stuff, that, and her car died during church, and so um, all the guys were like, yeah, well, you know, you need a 46 something or another, you know, we don't know what we're doing, and uh, so somebody decides, let's jump it, so I had jumper cables, because my car was a piece of junk, and so I had to jump my car all the time, so I had cables, and we put them on, we're like, black to the red and the positive to the negative you know we're like hooking things up to the wrong place and we're all just hanging around talking the the cables caught on fire <laughs> they're burning wow and we have no idea we're just talking and one of our one of our deacons drives by i knew this guy he drives by and he goes he didn't even stop he goes hey it's on fire and he just <laughs> drove right past this just foolish 16 year old boys man have no idea what's going on so we we all have these stories right of just absolute ignorance or foolishness or thinking we were doing something that was smart when really it was a horrible decision to make, right? Has anybody else got this or is it literally just me? Okay, thank you for some honesty there. Double honesty back here in the back, yeah, right? So we all, we all kind of have these stories, man, where, where again, we, we walk in something that sort of naturally feels right um, and it's just our flesh or it's bad advice we've gotten or something, some terrible lesson we learned somewhere else, so we don't want to lose face, right? And so we act in foolish ways, and so that's why we're going through the book of Proverbs, right? Because we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom. Um, we need something outside of us to speak life and truth into us, um, to give us direction, especially for those gray areas of life, right? Not the black and white stuff, although that's hard enough, um, but the gray areas of life, where we have to take knowledge and apply it to making daily decisions, right? We need God's wisdom to be speaking into uh, those areas. So let's look, let's jump into um, Proverbs chapter four and let's see what God has for us today. Uh, it says, this is, we're gonna read the first nine verses. We'll have it up on the, on the screen for you. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Don't forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Now he's talking about wisdom like it's a person. Do not forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. So what's so important about wisdom? Well, uh, we talked about this for the last couple of weeks, but uh, a lot of times when you read about wisdom in the book of Uh, of uh, Proverbs, and then when you read about it later on throughout the rest of Scripture, I don't think it's inaccurate to say that Jesus is the embodiment of God's wisdom. So it wouldn't be wrong, I think, for us to take Jesus and plug him into this text. So I'd like to do that. Let's kind of go back and reread this text, and I want to put Jesus in there, and, and you tell me if it changes the way you approach this text. Ready? Hear, O sons, the instructions of a father. Give understanding. Give attention that you may gain understanding. For Jesus gives you sound teaching. 
Do not abandon his instruction when he was a son to his father, teacher, uh, tender, and the only one on the side of his mother. Jesus was taught and said, God said to him, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding, or acquire Jesus and acquire understanding. Don't forget nor turn away from the words of Jesus' mouth. Don't forsake Jesus and he will guard you. Does it change the way you're approaching this? Love him and he will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is acquire Jesus. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. Prize him and he will exalt you. He will honor you if you embrace Jesus. He will place on your head a garland of grace and Jesus will present you with a crown of beauty. Does that change how you read this text? It ought to. You ought to read it when you go through the book of Proverbs and when it starts to personify wisdom and when it talks about wisdom in your brain, maybe kind of go back and just put him in there and see if it doesn't change how you approach this idea that we need wisdom. Not as a thing to be gathered, not as like knowledge to be had and stored away for some other day, but as a person, this relationship to have with God. Hopefully that helps you connect with it better. It should be absolutely personal. It should be intensely personal. So for some of you, like me, you kind of recognize foolishness. You see it in your own life. You see how short you are of what God wants for you. You understand that you need something from outside yourself to make the right decisions in life. But you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have got to start there. This is, it all hinges on this. You could read and memorize Proverbs and continue to be just the most foolish person on the face of the planet if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It all begins with him. It all goes back to him. It's this intensely personal relationship with God through Jesus. So I just wanted to start with that, that it starts there. He tells us in verse 1 to look at his instructions like a father is speaking to a child. So this is the best dad that you can imagine, right? It may not be your dad. It may not be. That happens. But just the best, maybe it's a TV dad, you know? The best TV dad, Mr. Brady, right? Mike Brady or something. That's, that's dated, right? But maybe it's somebody like that. Somebody who can sit you down and give you, like take you out for a burger and a Coke, you know, or a cup of coffee or whatever. And he's pleading with you to listen to his voice. The best dad you can imagine is sitting down with you saying, listen, I am looking at you and I see your potential to go toward your propensity to go towards foolishness. Will you please listen to me? I, I have something you need to know. I have wisdom that you need to have in your life. So it's this father who is sitting down with us and he wants to give us, out of love, out of absolute love for us, he wants to give us wisdom. So maybe we can start here. Some of us have the blessing, I would say, of having a spiritual father in our lives. And maybe for our women, there's a spiritual mother who is in our lives, and maybe it's your biological mom, maybe it's not, maybe it's just someone else. Who is that person for you? Now, not everybody has that, but if you do, I would say listen to them. Now, for my teenagers, I'm going to tell you this. For the most part, this is mom and dad. Listen to them. As we get a little bit older, we got to find this person. But if you have them, listen to them. There's wisdom that God has for you through that person. And then I would say this, are you taking your role as a father or an influencer seriously. Some of us have these roles, like God's just dropped them in our laps. God's just put us in a place where we are a father to someone, and again, maybe it's biological, 
that maybe it's something else, or we're a mother to someone, and we have this opportunity to influence people. And my question for you and those of us who are in those positions is, is are we taking those roles seriously? Now, my dad was awesome. Um, I, many of you know that I was adopted and as a baby and all this stuff, and my dad was a great guy. We didn't have a lot of the deep meaning of life discussions, you know, kind of thing. My dad's wisdom was more like, we're not trying to air condition the entire neighborhood, <laughs> you know? Is anybody, anybody else's dad kind of that kind of wisdom? Um, you're a better door than a window. If you were ever standing in front of the television, anybody hear that? You're better, is that right? Right, okay, I don't know. Maybe I screwed up my dad's wisdom at that point. Uh, when you pay the electric bill, you can leave the lights on. That, that was kind of the wisdom that I got from, from my dad. Um, that's, that's not everything he gave me, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Some of us need to take the roles that God's given us as influencer a lot more seriously than we do. I, I would say this, man, now that my kids are older, it goes by in a flash, and some of you as parents, you have this brief window in time where you're the primary influencer on your kids. Make the most of it. Take every advantage that you have during this time because it will go quickly. And then some of us, as we grow older, we have that opportunity with other people. So, man, nurture, nurture those parent-child relationships. And again, beyond the biology, those other kinds of relationships that God gives us, that influencer, that influencee, those relationships that God gives us, honor God with them. Some of these are just positional. And I understand that I'm talking to some of you who have, like, these managerial roles at work, and you're like, dude, I, I can't, I can't be getting into everybody's stuff all the time. You know, I'd just be overwhelmed by that, and I understand that. But I would just say, I think you need to maybe rejigger your mind a little bit, okay, and understand that God has put you in those places to have a godly influence. Nurture those relationships to the degree that you can. They're not, they're not just positional roles that God's given you. He's given you an opportunity to influence people with wisdom and with grace of God. So make the most of them while you have them. Now, verse 4 says this. Verse 4 says uh, that he taught me, said to me, let your heart hold uh, fast to my words, keep my commandments, and live. That's a big promise, isn't it? If you keep my commandments, you'll live. That's like a really, it's either an oversell or it's true. That's kind of your option here. It's either hyperbole and exaggeration or God really means if you'll listen to my wisdom, you'll have life. So I think we, I want to dig into this just a little bit. What does it mean to really live? To really, really live. What does that mean? Because all of us, are, I think most of us are breathing. There are some eyes that are closed right now. You're praying and meditating. I understand that. But most of us in the room are breathing, right? We're, we're alive. So you're like, well, what does it mean to follow God's commandments and God's wisdom and have life? What does that mean? There's a book uh, called The Power of Meaning by Emily F. Sahani Smith. And she said this. She said that meaning, meaning in life makes life fulfilling, Meaning in life makes life fulfilling. We tend to reverse that a lot of times. But she says meaning is, uh, gives uh, fulfillment to life. She said there's four pillars to meaning. This is very interesting. I don't think this woman's a Christian. But she said this. She said there's four pillars to finding or having meaning in life. One is belonging, generally to something larger and bigger than yourself. Secondly is, is purpose. The third thing is storytelling. What, are you, what story is being told in your life, about your life? What story are you telling about your life? And the other one is transcendence. Understanding, finding, and, and believing that your life matters beyond what you ate for breakfast today and what you're going to do with your job today and what you're, you're going to sleep eight hours tonight kind of a thing. 
that there's something bigger than this world that gives meaning to our life. What I would say to you is, if she's, she's right, and I don't think she's far off, if she's right that belonging, purpose, storytelling, and transcendence are the four pillars of meaning in our life, doesn't Jesus provide all those things? Doesn't the gospel provide every single one of those things for us? So can't we, can't we honestly look at Scripture and wisdom and say that if I pursue God's wisdom and I pursue Jesus Christ, like we see here in Proverbs chapter 4, I'll have belonging to something bigger than myself. I'll have a purpose that goes beyond myself. I'll have a story to tell, and not just the gospel story, but like a life story that's walked with God and with Jesus. And something bigger, some bigger story about my life will be told, and I'll have meaning beyond this life, transcendence. The gospel provides all of those things for us. If that's what life really is about, I think Jesus provides every single one of those things for us. Now, in our desire to have life, right, because all of us want life, and in our desire to have life, our attempts to, to pursue life, we swing to extremes a lot of times. So sometimes in an, in, in an attempt to have life, we'll swing to absolute conservatism, and that's going to change how we dress, our clothing, our lifestyle, our, po our politics. We'll swing hard to the right and say that's the only place you can have life. And then more recently, we have a swing toward liberalism, personal freedoms are paramount, there's social agendas that take over um, the meaning of life and the most important things. I think what's, gonna, what's happening now, we're moving away from actual cultural li liberalism, and we're moving more toward like a personal version of life at its best that's completely unassailable, and, and really in Christianity, this looks like a lot of me and Jesus and nothing else. I don't need anything except Christ. I don't really need church. Church is optional. I don't really need uh, the community of believers. It's kind of optional. If I've got something better to do, I'm going to go do that kind of a thing. And my version of truth, reality, and Jesus and Christianity is completely unassailable. Like, you can't even challenge me on the fact that I might be off-center a little bit in my spiritual walk. Now, that's the Christian version of it. There's a secular version of that, too. But it all revolves around the, uh, the individual determining self-determination really all of these things quite frankly are expressions of finding life we're all looking for life somehow some way or another and those are some of the ways that we do it so where is life to be found if i want real life where am i supposed to find it this text says proverbs says and it says it in other places i find life in the words and the commands of jesus christ when god speaks about something it is the best possible way now here's, that's awesome, and I got a couple of grumbly amens on that, because some of us have done the math, and we understand that means if God says something about your money, it's the best possible way. Now we get a little uncomfortable, right? If God says something about your thought life, it's the best possible way. If God says something about your body, it's the best possible way. Does that make sense? The wisdom of God is the best possible way. Where is life to be found? In God's commandments and word. Last week, or, man, I'm just in a blur. Yeah, last week, a week ago or so, we were in Panitas, and I had a little work crew that was working with me, and we had to cut some, you know, boards and put some stuff together and everything, and there were kids that were within my group, they had never used a saw. I don't know if they knew what a saw was or a plug, like an extension cord. I'm not, I'm not lying, man. It was like a calf staring at a new gate, you know? And I don't think they knew what some of that stuff was, or a drill and screws and wire cutters. Wire cutters were blowing their minds. They were asking for scissors, and I was like, you're going to be here a long time <laughs> with scissors, right? 
So we had this project, and on day one, it took us about three and a half hours to do this project, which I was kind of cool with, even though it was a blazing hot. Um, but we just needed to take time and kind of teach everybody the ropes and all that kind of stuff. By day three, we could do two of them in about 95 minutes. Two of the same projects that we had done at three and a half hours on day one, we could get them done in about 95 minutes or so. Here's what happened in those ensuing three days. These kids were seeking information. Pastor Joe, how do I do this? Or maybe even like Josh Frank. Josh has been with us on this trip several times, and Josh knew some of the things through. Like, Josh, where do you do this? Or how do you get that? Or where's that thing? Or where's, you know, in the trailer, where do you find that? So they were seeking this information. They eagerly desired it. We moved from, this is a drag, and it's blazing hot, and I don't want to do anything, to, man, let's get on the work site and really work today, and work hard today. Eagerly desiring to work hard. They encouraged one another, which is always fun um, when they start really speaking life into each other. Um, they learned new things. Uh, there was a reward on the backside. What was the reward every day? Stripes. Stripes was the reward every day, right? At the end of the day, you could go into Stripes and buy any junk food and a Coke that you wanted, right? And that was the end of the day. It was the big, it was the carrot at the end of the stick. Hey, let's work hard and we can get out of here early. Stripes is right down the road, okay? So they were shooting their minds for something that was the reward on the backside of it. There was a group of people they didn't want to let down, the people in their group. There was instructions, demonstrations. They owned it. They applied it. Now that is a little tiny microcosm of your life, what I just described. Can you just stick yourself in that situation? Life is full of complicated and consistently changing challenges. And it brings things our way that we've never seen before and we've never done before. Life is complicated. And God says, listen to me and I will show you how to walk this life. At some point or another, I have to seek it, eagerly desire it, desire it put my mind on a, a reward that's beyond. Do you all understand? Are you tracking with me? I got to put my mind on a reward that's not of this world, not in this life. I have to encourage the Christians and the people around me who want to walk with God, Right? And then I start to become proficient at the things of God. I start to become really good at living the life that God's given me to live. And life not only becomes simpler, it becomes more rewarding and satisfying along the way. Jesus has a word for us. He has wisdom and life for us. But he says, you've got to hear me. You've got to give attention to me. And he says, don't abandon my words. Don't think you've got a better way. I'm not going to call anybody out. We used to do roofing when we went to Panitas. Roofing. I wish Daniel, is Daniel here somewhere? No, he's not here this morning. I wish he would laugh at us because we frustrated him so badly. Daniel Frank had these teenagers up on the roof doing roofing. And every day on day two, there was this one particular kid, he knew how to do it better. And so he would start laying down roof, shingles on a roof his own way. Well, by row two, you ever done shingling? They're supposed to be straight, right? I don't know if this kid had been drinking a little bit beforehand, but... <laughs> Dude, it was like a sobriety test. I was like, what is happening here, man? You know, there's nails just in the middle of the roof. I'm like, why are we nailing there? Well, I didn't know if the nail gun worked, you know? And so, and I would be like, just do what we showed you. Just do what we showed you. Daniel would have to go take a break and stand under a tree and <laughs> come down just a little bit, right? <laughs> and we were like, just do what we showed you to do it. Don't abandon the instructions we've given you. You guys, are you tracking with me, man? You're going to go through life, and you're going to run across things you've never seen. You're going to get a little bit of information. You're going to go, I got it, and I'm going to do it my way. God's like, don't abandon what I've showed you. I've told you there's a way to life. I've told you there's a way to do it. Hear me. Seek it. Give attention to what I'm saying. Don't abandon it. 
be taught, be really truly taught in your spirit that God's ways really are the best way. So are you doing this right now? What's the, I would just kind of challenge each of us in the room. This is very personal. What's the most recent thing that Jesus has said to you? Can you just maybe rack your brain a little bit and answer that question? What's the most recent thing that Jesus has said to you? First of all, how do you know it's from him? What are you gauging that on? Measuring it against? Where did it come from in the word? And then my next thing is, are you living it out? And if you actually live out what he said to you, how might it give you life? So you really do have to play the scenario out in your head. God says something to you. You have to kind of recalibrate your direction, take a little humble pill, right? And step back and go, okay, maybe my way is not the best way. If I actually do what God's telling me to do, what might my life look like? How rich might my life be if I do it his way? So that's my challenge for you. If you haven't done that this morning or haven't done it yet, to go back and find the life that God has for us. There are some mile markers on this path, I think, as we walk toward life, the life that God has for us. And I think they're sort of spelled out here a little bit. Um, in verse 10, which we'll read it now, he says, Hear my son and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. First thing I would just say, one of the mile markers as we walk toward life is just give yourself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom. Give yourself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom. When he is saying in here, hear my words, listen to me, he's not saying, hey, are you paying attention with your ears? He's like, no, no, no. Is this seeping into your heart? Really hear what I have to say to you. So I have to give myself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom, and I have to trust it. It might be the hardest thing that I've, we've ever, will ever do as Christians, isn't it? To, to do life the way that God tells us to do, because it flies in the face of like normal thinking. It flies in the face of what my flesh wants to do. It's so hard to trust, to really, really trust that when God speaks about something that it really is the best way. But I have to wholeheartedly give myself to that. Sometimes, just like we see in this text, and Joe Parle talked about it last week, that, man, our dads can seem so foolish. And we have to make this conscious decision to listen to them and to follow them, even if it sounds like it's dumb. I had a 76 Nova. I don't want to talk about how I got that car. I had a 76 Nova. Four doors, giant, blue interior, lovely. Um... <laughs> Real chick magnet. No, I'm kidding. And um, had a flat tire on it one time. Changed the flat tire, got home, told my dad, hey, I've got to go to like the other side of town. It was, it was north of Grapevine at the time, which was in the sticks. And I'm like, I got to go to the other side of town, um, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you can take the car. You can take your car, but you can't drive it over 45 miles an hour because you're good. That's, it was this old, nasty. I don't even know what was inside that, that spare. You know, I don't think it was air. It was something else. You know what I'm talking about? Those old, gross, okay. And your car rides this way because it's not the right size. So I didn't pay attention to him. I didn't stay on the side. I just drove down the freeway. Well, I don't know what happens to that tire, but it like shredded. I wasn't even halfway there. I was going 65 miles an hour, and it just starts literally shredding into pieces on the freeway. Sometimes our dads can seem so dumb. Dad, I got to go to this date. I don't even know what was going on. It was something ridiculous, I'm sure. I was convinced that he didn't know nearly as much about my life as I did. So I did it my way. Sometimes our dads can seem so foolish. Sometimes God's ways can seem so foolish. 
Sometimes the way that God tells us to live our lives can be so dumb. Now, this text, I'm not going to read it right now, but this text tells us, like, there are alternatives. You can do it a different way. You can listen to evil men. Primary influence is people who do not love Jesus. Who is your primary influencer? Who's speaking into your life? Do they love Christ? You can do it their way. You can follow idols, things that replace God's priority in your heart, or you can follow your own heart. Those are your options. Evil men, idols, and your own heart. Or you can listen to God's wisdom. You will trust something. We will put our trust in something. We will wholeheartedly give ourselves to trusting in something. The good news is that you get to choose. The bad news is, what are you choosing? This isn't just conceptual. It's not just, though, trust in the Lord and he will guide your path. Amen. Church was great today. It's very practical. What are you trusting in to tell you the truth about who you are? Because you're trusting some voice. You're trusting some truth about who you are. What what are you trusting to tell you the truth about who you are? Because God's got an opinion about that. What are you trusting to be true about your future? Some of us look at tomorrow, or we look at next week, or we look at the next six years, and we're like, I don't even know, and I don't see much hope for the next several years. God has an opinion about your future. What are you trusting? Who are you trusting to be true about your future? What are you trusting to be true about money, true about your relationships? Give yourself wholeheartedly to trust in the wisdom of the Lord. Another mile marker, this is several verses put together here. Verse 1, Hear, O sons, the instructions of a father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. Verse 4, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. And verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life. Here's the second time. They are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Second thing, give yourself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom. Give yourself wholeheartedly to Scripture. Give yourself wholeheartedly to Scripture. There's this relational factor to trusting in God that I can't underplay it. I can't, I can't overemphasize, but I do think we can misunderstand it. So I would say it like this. If I were to go to Mindy and I was like, hey, I really like you a lot. I know we've been married 28 years, and I, I really like you a lot still. And I just want to hang out, right? I just want to live in the house with you, and I want to share bills with you, and I kind of want to drive around if we have to drive around sometimes. Mess around, eat, get ready in the morning with you. But I really don't want to know what's in your heart. Can you just not talk to me? But we do it to God. God, I'd like to hang out with you. And in the middle of the day, when I need a co-pilot, I'd like to call on you. And when I'm sad, I want you to comfort me. But really, can you just not talk to me very much today? How insufficient would that be for a relationship? God has expressed his heart to us in Jesus Christ and in the word. So, how are you submitting wholeheartedly to Scripture? Can you think, and again, maybe you've got something to write with your phones or whatever, but I think you should just be writing some of these things down. What is difficult, what's a difficult Scripture for you to hear and obey? Do you have one of those? Like, not just that it's hard to understand, but it's really hard to hear it and then do it. For instance, 
we'll take the easy route. Ephesians chapter 5 does say, submit to one another in love. So you're having a hard time as spouses submitting to each other. Then he doubles down on the women. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. You're struggling with that? Love. Love in a crazy way, right? In that scripture, like you could literally summarize so much scripture in that, that sentence. Love people. Love people. Love people in a crazy way. Do you struggle with that? Pray. Pray continuously. Is that a tough scripture for you? Give thanks without ceasing. That's a command in scripture. Is that hard for you? Care for the outsider. Love yourself. Stay away from idols. Now I want you to take one of those difficult things. Scripture has spoken to you. It's hard, but it's still from scripture. I want you to take one of those scriptures and I want you to pray a prayer over it. God, give me as many chances as possible to live this scripture this week. Don't pick the easy one, all right? Pick a really hard one, something that's hard for you to listen to and hear and obey in scripture, and then pray that prayer over it. God, I want you to give you as many opportunities as possible this week to live out this scripture. And then you pray, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit changed my heart to want to do this scripture and to treasure this scripture. The words of God are a treasure. We talked about that two weeks ago. They're not a drudgery. They are life. They are the straight line to having real life. So that means I have to take all of Scripture, in particular the parts that I don't like, I find maybe to be distasteful, that are difficult for me, and I have to pray to the Lord, give me an opportunity to live it and treasure it. Change my heart so that I want it and treasure it. Give yourself wholeheartedly to Scripture. Verse 25. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. I would say this. Give your, yourself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom, wholeheartedly to Scripture, and then you've got to give yourself to God's correction. Give yourself to God's correction. Sometimes God's correction just comes in the form of life, right? In just living daily life, we live a particular way and God's like, I'm going to course correct you and it won't be fun. Life's going to come hit you hard because of some of the choices that you've made. Sometimes it comes from godly counsel, from an authority figure, from God himself. Here's what I would say. Some of us are really afraid of God's correction in our lives. Here's what I would say to all of us. Know that it is God refining you and renewing you Look at God's correction as God rescuing you from yourself and your circumstances. Instead of it being punitive, instead of it being God punishing you, look at it as God rescuing you from yourself and from your circumstances in life. Now, are you bitter about God's correction? Are you rebellious about God's correction? Are you arrogant and prideful? A huge part of wisdom of really being wise, of living the life that God has for us, is this humble acceptance of the fact that we are weak, that we are lacking, and that we have a need for something outside that is bigger than us, that has better counsel for us and help for us. So how is God correcting you? Have you ever thought about your life that way? And Just, just for, stop for a second and say, God, how are you correcting me right now? Where am I off course 
my feet have wandered to the right and to the left, and I'm off course, and your correction is coming to my life, but it makes me mad, or it hurts my feelings, or it makes me embarrassed, so I don't want to acknowledge it. And I'm getting a little bitter in my heart right now. So where is God bringing correction into your life? Sometimes in a crowd, I could still do it probably, but when, my, when we were littler, and especially coaching games, and I wanted to get my kids' attention, and they really couldn't hear me yelling, I would whistle, and I'm not going to do it now, it'd be like ear-shattering, okay? But I would whistle at them, and man, they would turn on a dime. Like, you could see them physically tense up, <laughs> you know what I mean, when I made that whistle on a soccer field or in a basketball court or something. And man, they would hustle, they would listen to me, they would do what I asked them to do. They would literally at that point have to consciously run away from it and not listen to me. Like you would see the back of their bodies go, and they'd go, eh. <laughs> it was like this Pavlovian response. And they would then have to choose to run away from it and not pay attention or turn around and see what I had to say. Correction, God's correction is God whistling at us. Verses 25 through 27 is God's way of saying, hey, pay attention, dummy. You're walking down the wrong path. You take one step to your left, it's going to be so much better. So much better. Half a step to your right, it's going to really be destructive. <whistles> pay attention. You understand? God's correction, verses 25 through 27, is God getting us to turn around and to listen to him. I have to embrace and give myself to the correction of God. Verse 23. I could spend an hour on this. We're not going to, promise. But I could. Verse 23. Most of us are going to know this verse. Watch over your heart with all diligence. From, from, from it flow the springs of life. Almost all of us know that, or we've seen a little you know, motivational poster with it or something. Many of us are very familiar with this. I do think that this is sort of the key point of of Proverbs chapter 4. We don't often get in Proverbs um, sort of a narrative story. We get a bunch of disparate ideas that aren't even connected together very well. Chapter 4, we actually get a bit of a story. And I think everything pivots on uh, verse 23. This is it. So give yourself wholeheartedly to God's wisdom, wholeheartedly to Scripture. Give yourself to God's correction. Here's the fourth thing. Give your heart to the right things and to the right people. Give your heart to the right things and to the right people. So what is your heart? And I know Pastor Joe talked about it last week. I want to touch on it again. It is definitely the place of your emotions, your thoughts, your will. Wherever that resides in us, it's our heart. And when we use that word, when Scripture uses that word, that's what it's talking about. So God is telling us, pay attention to what's going on in your core. In that place where your emotions live, where your will resides, what is happening in there? Pay attention to that. Stir deep down into that place and let it get stirred up. You ever buy a bottle of orange juice at the, at the grocery store or something and that junk in the bottom and you know you got to shake it up? I, this is basically what I think God's kind of asking us to do right now. Look deep inside of what's in you. What's that drudge at the bottom? Let's stir that stuff up and let's see what we need to get out. Guard your heart. Pay attention to what's happening at the core of who you are. Then it talks about the wellsprings of life. I think there's two ways to understand that. First of all, your, this is really cool. It's also terrifying. Your heart is a spring 
that impacts the life of those people around you. Now listen to me, this is invariable. Your life is a spring. And when you come into contact with other people and you live with other people, that spring that's coming out of you is going to impact other people. So what are you giving to others? What's coming out of your spring? This is not a trick question, and I'm not asking if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I'm asking what kind of life are you giving away to other people? Sarcasm? Silence? Judgment? Harshness? Oversharing? Over-reliance on others? Joy, peace, encouragement, grace? What is coming out of your spring? God looks at us and he says, you guard that heart because when you come around other people, your spring is going to impact them. So know what's happening inside there. So I think that's one way to look at it. The other way, I think that this applies is that, that your heart is the source that feeds your life. So maybe look at it as not only a place where other people are impacted by my spring, but what's in my heart gives me life. There's some self-determination here where you put your affections, where you look for joy, becomes the thing or the person or the situation where you receive life. Whatever you put your treasure in, you expect it to feed your soul. Jesus talked about it a little bit differently, didn't he? Where your heart is, there your treasure will be. God is telling us to look deep and hard inside of our hearts to guard this place because from it, spring the overflow of life and it's going to impact others and it's where you yourself are going to be nourished now we're supposed to guard it we're supposed to guard our hearts some of us over guard our hearts we've been hurt in the past we're prideful we don't want to be seen as weak we have a lot of self-hatred and we over guard our hearts some of us under guard our hearts some of us have literally a, la a total lack of discernment and if somebody comes into our lives and we like them I love you I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. And we just give love away to just whoever, whatever, jack leg walks through the door. Not everybody deserves your heart. Not everybody deserves your heart. Everyone, everybody receives your love, but not everyone receives your heart. Are you guarding your heart? In the 1600s, anybody ever try to read a Puritan writer? <sighs> okay. You got to really trudge through it, man, okay? There's a Puritan writer, John Flavel. He wrote, he wrote over 100 pages about this verse. Not this proverb, this verse. I did not read them all, okay? <laughs> I read somebody who summarized those 100 pages, okay? The Cliff Notes version. He said this when he's talking about this verse. He said that our hearts are like a musical instrument. You tune it, and when you've got it just right, maybe you put it on the wall or you put it inside the case, and a few days later, what do you have to do? You have to tune it again. Or something bumps into it, or maybe you play it, and then you have to tune it again. Our hearts can be right with God today, and then something bumps into them, or life happens, or we neglect them, and they have to be tuned again. Guard your heart. Think about it that way. Tune your heart. Retune your heart to the ways of God because he is pitch perfect, right? Guard your heart. Another way that talks about guarding is 
That word just means watch over something to keep it. God is saying that your inner, deep spiritual life will determine the course of the rest of your life. That deepest part of who you are, that seed of emotions, that seed of will, that seed of choosing in your heart will determine the rest. The outward life is determined by what happens in this deep place. So, Anybody watch America's Got Talent? I know my family does. All right, they have these amazing magicians on there, okay? And I know they're messing with my brain. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're watching them, you're like, either you're demon-possessed or <laughs> you're just jacking with my brain, right? I'm falling on the second one usually, okay? Um, we're watching these guys. We'll rewind it and watch it frame by frame, you know, just to see if we can figure out what, what's happening. We're staring at them intently, or David Blaine incredible he can make change fall out of a styrofoam cup i don't understand how he does that and stuff here's basically what i think god is saying to us okay whatever it takes for you to pay attention to your heart do it the way that you would pick apart that magician to see if you can find out how he's tricking your brain watch your heart like that get your bang get your starbucks get your dr pepper take a seat and stare intently at what's coming into your heart guard it Try to figure out who's trying to fool you. Try to figure out who's trying to get in and get something that doesn't belong to them. Try to see who's trying to get in and tell you lies about who God is, who you are, who other people are. Guard your heart. Now, what that means is I can't guard everything else with the same kind of diligence that I have to guard my heart. I can't idolize my spouse and my marriage and my family and guard them the way that I have to guard my heart. I can't guard my job the same way. I can't guard my sports the same way, my bank account. God is looking at me and he's telling me, you need to make your heart the number one priority in your life for what you guard. Guarding includes, and he talks about this and he'll talk about it so many times in the book of Proverbs. Guarding my heart includes not walking in the way of sinners and not stepping foot on the path of wickedness. Some of us in this room, you're like, well, but I want to reach people and I want the gospel to be approachable and you can't tell me how to live because you're a legalist, Pastor Joe. Here's what I would say to you, man. I, I, I hear what you're saying and I think we should be living with lost people. Live, live your daily life without being overcome by sin. God has put so many of us in direct contact with lost people who don't share our values, desires, dreams, all that kind of stuff. The challenge for you is to guard your heart to the degree that you can live with them and not be overcome by them. Second thing, intentionally engage in social and personal relationships with the lost. Do it on purpose, right? Take the power away from the enemy where you feel like you're constantly being berated or attacked for your Christian faith. Flip it around and intentionally go after some lost people. Don't make them a project. Love them the way Jesus loves them, but do it on purpose. And instead of constantly seeing yourself as the victim, flip it around and say, this is my mission field. This is where God's placed me for a specific cause to give these people truth, life, and hope. But guard your heart. Rarely, rarely does Satan come to us, the red-horned pitchfork guy. That rarely happens. We would all run away from that for the most part. Who we unintentionally and who we intimately spend a lot of our time with exercises influence over us. Guard your heart. 
Out of our heart flows the wellsprings of life for you and for other people's guard it. This is more than just input and output, although I think that's vitally important. It's the love of your heart. Here's what I do think this, is, this text is about. I think scripture is about this. He's talking about the love of your heart, the focal point of your heart, because from what you love flows the love that you give other peoples and what you pursue to love. I'm going to say it again. What you love, from what you love flows the love that you give others and what you pursue to love. If you love yourself, pride, selfishness, protection, now that can look like a lot of different things and we can baptize that with a lot of Christian language, but really it's just a self-love. Protection, bitterness, anger, lust, jealousy, and all of it can look religious. If you love Jesus, wisdom, God's ways, other people, you love yourself the right way. Amen? You can love yourself the right way. Justice, mercy, joy, peace, your motives, and none of this can be limited to religion. This is probably the difference between the two. You can baptize anything and almost, almost anything and make it sound religious, but if you're following Christ and loving Jesus and he's changing your heart, it can't be limited by a religion. Life flows from our hearts. And life flows from what we love. And God, here's the good news about that. God wants to support you and to build you up and to encourage your hearts to love the right things. Second Chronicles 16, 9. God is diligently seeking those whose hearts are turned to him. Amen? He wants our loves to be right. And he wants to encourage that. So for you, what's that going to be? Because listen, friends can betray you. Sickness is going to knock on your door. That call from the doctor, that, that illness that doesn't go away. Financial challenges are coming your way. Rebellious children, troublesome in-laws, sin. What will flow out of you then? If it's all tied to what I love and to my circumstances being absolutely perfect for God's love to flow out of me, I didn't do a good job of guarding my heart in the meantime. Guard your heart for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Look back in verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this. Acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring, get understanding. All of our actions flow from our heart, from this inner man. And we want to evaluate this. So Proverbs is saying to us, make no mistake. And I would say this to every person in this room, young person, old person. Make absolutely no mistake. If you want to become the person that you want to be, if you want to become the person that you think God wants you to be, if you want to get to the places that God wants for you and God has for you, if you want to live in the blessings of God despite your circumstances, then you have to make it a top priority to guard, to protect, and to keep your heart. It's from your heart that the course of your life is determined. What you love will determine the course of your life. It's in your heart that you overcome temptation or you give in to temptation. Evaluate your heart. Establish a baseline. I don't want to get into this, but here's what I mean by that. Unfortunately, we've had to go to the doctor way too much in the last two and a half years, and every time we go in, they, they, they take Mindy's vitals, right? But they're establishing a baseline. What's normal for her, what's abnormal for her, so that if something becomes abnormal, we know. 
So I'm asking you, Scripture's asking you, I think, to do the same thing. Evaluate your heart. Be brutally honest. We talked about this two weeks ago. Be brutally honest about what Scripture says about you. Establish your baseline. And if your baseline is here, that's actually okay. It really is. If it's here, that's okay too. But establish your baseline, whatever that is for you. And then commit to guarding your heart anew each day. I'm starting here because I haven't guarded my heart very well. Tomorrow I want to be here because I'm guarding a little bit better. I want my loves to change. I want my heart's affections to change, to be redirected. And that baseline changes over time. It raises up over time. I want my learning, I want my learning to turn into living. That's wisdom. I want my learning, I want my understanding and my knowledge to turn into wisdom. Churches, maybe this church, they're just full of people who learn a lot and they know a lot, but they do very little. They, I would say horrible English, they be very little. Not just do. Very little with what they know. Are, li are we living what we know? That's called wisdom. Are we living what we know? We have to seek to live what we know and to understand what God is giving to us. So some of us are like, well, I need God to answer a few questions before I go about doing life the way he wants me to, right? How old were Adam and Eve, God? You tell me that and maybe I'll follow you, right? Did he really take all the dinosaurs on the ark? God, you tell me that. And maybe I'll listen to you about my lust problem. But first of all, you answer the ark question, God, then I'm in. God, you explained evil to me you explain suffering to me, then I'll listen to what you have to say about my life. God looks back at us and he says, man, my ways are best. I am good. I am good. I will work everything out for the very best for your life. So when I tell you, forgive 70 times 7, that's what I want you, that's the best way to life. But God, I need answers. Wait. God's like, but forgive. And I'm, but God, but forgive. Forgive 70 times seven. But I really don't believe in you, God, because you won't answer me. And God looks back at us and he says, Joe, I want to save you from your own foolishness. See, Joe, if you walk down a path of not forgiving, you're going to get lost in bitterness and anger and hatred. And it'll all be because you think you know enough. Because you think you know better. Forgive. Forgive like crazy, Joe. Forgive 70 times 7. Forgive the way that I forgave you. <laughs> That's wisdom for life and for freedom. And you can take any of God's difficult commands and stick it in there. Evaluate your life. Know where you're at. Let's commit to guarding our hearts. Would you bow your heads? I want to give you the chance to do two things this morning. Some of us need to confess the fact that we have not guarded our hearts very well. This is not a rhetorical question at this point. Really, I don't want anybody to look around. This is between you and the Lord. I won't look either. But if you would say, I have not done a good job in guarding my heart. I've been passive or I have actively participated in things where I've given my love to something else, to lesser things. Trusted myself, trusted an idol, trusted in somebody else's words. 
I'm not doing a good job guarding my heart. I'm not looking. Nobody else is looking. Would you just confess that to the Lord? Maybe put your hand up and say, God, I'm not, I'm not doing a good job protecting my heart, guarding my heart. God, we confess this to you. In our foolishness and in our sinfulness, God, we walked our own ways. We've walked into a lot of traps. We've walked into a lot of pain. God, we confess that we're not guarding our hearts well. Forgive us. Forgive us, God. Set our path, correct us. Set our path, our feet on the right direction. And then the last thing I would just say, if you would just want to say to God, I want to I turn, God, from learning about you to living your way. I know, I know some stuff about God. I know a lot about God. But I want to make the turn from knowing things about you, God, to living the way you want me to live. Just put your hand up and just pray that to the Lord. Help me to make the turn from understanding and from more knowledge and more information to living your way. God, we put our hands up once again as a way of confession and we ask you to give us the grace to make the right hard turn, the U-turn, God, to live our lives the way that you have for us, God. Thank you, God, for uh, scripture, for Proverbs, for information. But Lord, let it move its way into our hearts and change the way that we live. Give us your wisdom every day. Let us pursue Jesus like this every day. In you is the treasure of life, and in our hearts the wellsprings of life overflow. Father, thank you for this word today, this challenging, good word. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, guys. We're going to quickly, it's summertime, our, our guys are going to come. We're in the thick in the midst of doing a lot of uh, ministry right now, and uh, it's a busy time. And uh, we've had several mission trips go out. We've got another mission trip coming up with our, our refuge students. Um, all of it takes money. There's no way around it. That's how we do ministry. So give, give well, give hard, give faithfully, um, and help us. So as these uh, plates or these baskets come by, if you're a member here, do your part, okay? If you're a guest here, we don't ask anything from you. Just thank you for being here with us. We'd like to actually give you a gift and tell you thanks for being here. A couple things, Miss Veronica's going to come and talk to us about a, this is a very busy week. This is coming Saturday, um, I think, is the ladies' event. Is that right? Yeah, so it's this Saturday. She's going to talk to us about that first. Okay, so it is not too late if you have a daughter who's in.